Oh man, we're recording this, aren't we? Okay. Yep. <clears throat> man, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry for everybody who. Are... Yeah, it's 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 uh this is this is a rough start. Sorry, everybody out there in podcast land who's listening to this later because uh, it's not 100% clear that the audio is going through on OBS. Like, it's not picking up much. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's I'm trying to get uh, into it's, Twitch it's picking, now to check. It's, it's picking up you guys. It doesn't look like it's picking up me at all. Uh, Let's try. Okay, check. Now we're getting something. Although I might be echoey now. Ah, that's all right. How's Twitch doing? Oh, Twitch isn't up yet because, well, let's start it anyway. Who cares? Well, Twitch needs to be uh, so that we can check your audio. It's up. It's, 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 it's going up. It's going up. YouTube starting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foil Forward. This is probably Rob. Uh, and we are probably live. Don't know. My computer. We may be live in a second. This week, oh, I need to check emails. So I will be a moment. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about logical patterns in RPG design. First of all, we're going to define what that is because I'm not 100% sure that I know. I mean, I kind of know, but also. I think yeah, it's a bit I more might... specific than literally any logical pattern because that—that's literally everything. So you know, mm, yeah, well, that's true. Well, actually, that's not true because um, it's a it, lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff because you know, I feel like emotionally resonant patterns are important in RPG design. Debatably, that's not the same, but uh, doesn't always go here. But that's neither here nor there. So. What did you think I was getting at, Rob? Just so I can see how far off the market my notes are. <laughs> Logical patterns in RPGs. So I think you're talking about the kind of things where um, we're going to view a system from a different perspective on that particular system. So if we have... Uh, Let's say let's say the default logical pattern is adventurers going into a dungeon, then another logical pattern would be playing the monsters from within that dungeon. That is way more interesting. <laughs> That's its own topic and potentially much more interesting. Oh, but uh, what I was actually referring to <laughs> is uh, how you fundamental. Uh, what is a fundam? What are some fundamental patterns that are useful to make your your like logic trees of your game make sense and like oh. fit together nicely which is like how do you build how do you build lists in a game and why do you build them this way and like what is a sensible like reflection of an ability <laughs> but that's mm. cool uh, are, are we considering uh like so i'd say like you could potentially consider patterns between games so mm -hmm. um there's an existing idea of you roll a die there is an outcome that's measured against uh the the world challenge and then uh, a narrator character takes on the mantle of describing what the fallout is or like yes. success failure and that is a pattern that if you were to replicate in your own game you would have some sort of consistency with other games that players have interacted with before 
Yes. Um, um, but, but then I guess there's also internal patterns of yeah. your game works this way, and so six different systems might work in a similar pattern. Okay, um, that's fine. Uh, when I was listening, it seemed like it was working. Um, Rob, please say something so I can test. Because now that I know Catrice can't type. Check, yeah. check, check. Checky, checky, check, check. You're not. I can't check the Twitch thing, though. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's what I'm checking. Yeah. Unfortunately, my computer died again this week, and that means I haven't finished installing everything. I, I was wondering why I was having problems with certain videos. Apparently, it's because I have a Kodak issue and I need to update my Kodaks. Yep. Okay. Okay, Rob's not echoing. We're good. Okay. Yay. All right. <laughs> Episode is new channel yep. logical patterns. Haven't actually started, or I'm, I'm a little lost now. <laughs> I don't. We have started. We we we've been started. We are start. We we start. We yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But don't worry. So. We skipped introductions like normal. It's, it's totally regular. Yes. Actually, let's introduce let's introduce ourselves and get to the action <clears throat> and to do read the introduction. <laughs> I guess. Hi, no. I'm Kapoor. I'm Kapoor. I'm kind of running the show today, which is why we're <laughs> slightly more messed up than usual. But who knows. <laughs> Uh, we also have Rob here, who's the person who's holding, who runs the Twitch chat. Uh, he also has design logos for some reason. We're changing our logo for the hundredth upload. Uh, I, well, yes, we're. I was just changing it. I was tweaking it because somebody was like, "What are the rockets?" And I was like, "I, I forget." And then okay. I had to remember why we had arrows on the logo because it was a Reddit thing. Oh, oh wow! I th I just thought it was for I thought just thought it was to indicate forward. It was so, both. Yeah, same. Okay. <laughs> it was. It was so both. We don't even know the origin of our own logo, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so. I definitely don't. I vaguely remember that it was my idea for it, and that means I have absolutely no idea what my thought pattern was at the time. <laughs> okay. Uh, we also have Catrice here. Um, yeah. I think I'm not all here from the sounds of it. That's fine. We also, uh, there's also Mark here. Hello. Okay. So we're talking about logical patterns in game design, or specifically referring to uh, patterns as, like, how should I phrase this? Specifically, pseudo mathematical patterns, but that's not really useful to anyone except me because that's probably because it's probably just me and like six other people who use that term that way, so that's not useful. Uh, but talking about things like the how game how your game's lo internal logic of how, how it fits together should work and like how to design a, a structure that doesn't that has neat and cute uh, that like how should i phrase this because this is very important okay basically how to design your your system so that the 
uh, so the, the things within it are plays on each other in a way that is satisfying to people who notice that type of thing. But because and that and there are more people notice that consciously because it's a thing humans do. I think that's a I think that's how I want to phrase it, but that's okay. maybe not useful. Is that clear that to sense. anyone? <laughs> that is almost useful. Okay. <laughs> Please ask clarifying questions. So I'd say um I think there are a lot of different ways that you could interpret patterns. There's patterns um, between games, there's patterns within a game, mm -hmm. patterns in how the rules are presented, patterns in what the rules themselves are, um, in terms of like flow or how players move from one phase to the next. Um, are these all patterns that we want to consider? Uh, uh, internal game logic was the main thing I was thinking about, but okay. uh, but. Do the DNA that games share and like how they influence each other is probably important to how these things were developed. Like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, like every BDA game I write has like the same, has the same like stat structure, but because I inherited that from other designers, but it's also, I like that stuff. It's also, I feel like I'm not done if I don't have. <laughs> if I don't have a logical set, and that's not other PBTA designers, that's just something that I notice I do a lot. What do you, mean, I, what do you, what do you mean by a logical set? In this particular case, I am referring to, uh, let's pretend that I'm only referring to uh, the, the fact that if I have a four stat system, uh, every single set of plus twos is going to, like plus one and two different stats is going to exist. But, oh, okay. So you have to have the array of... Yeah, I have okay. to have... Yeah. I don't know why, but it is definitely something that I noticed I do very hard. And that's why I got thinking about this, because, well, that and a few other things that are that require much longer paragraphs to describe. So... <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a good start, though. Okay, so, so the patterns in RPGs would be like, you want to have... Uh, okay, so for like a four stat system, you'd want a two one one zero, and you'd want a two to be in each. You'd want a high stat configuration for each, and then like ideally, you'd want a one one zero configuration for each that was different for each yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Uh, that's I'll I'll just say that the exact way that it works in all of the four stats I do, which is uh, there are, there are four there are four like things so A B C D and every instance and everything will have plus two plus one in A and B like no everything will have plus one in two things and minus one in one thing and all the all possible iterations of plus ones ex exist basically. Okay. So I'm not sure if that's actually more clear now that I think about it. Um, it I mean, it's kind of a, I mean, you're, you're kind of going for something symmetrical because you're presuming that the, the, that that necessarily leads to a balanced set of choices. It's not because it leads to a balanced set of choices. Okay. It's because that seems like a good it's because it gives the impression of good variety is <laughs> not even like balance is in consideration. 
it's pure like it's purely just this it shows a reflection of what everything might look like so that is a good design place for me so, but it is for the symmetry and i don't and i'm just talking in a really weird way right now well, I, isn't the intent to give uh, the the players a set of choices that are all equally valid yeah i guess that's true so a balanced set of choices mm, balance Did, has connotations that okay exist in my head so i see okay yeah because I, I don't i'm not always super worried that oh all these choices are mechanically balanced and oh fine, oh know. i see what you're saying okay so yeah. i i wasn't talking in terms of mechanical balance but in terms of yeah any of any of these choices is equally valid the game validates or yeah. the game mechanically validates any of your choices at this juncture yeah, yes okay. exactly so oh yeah i'm sure that like logically all the choices would be there and because it's a good way to like think about what x y and z would look like now does that does that force you to make sure all the stats are equally usable <laughs> no it should <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> okay uh then then i suppose the then the symmetry is the symmetry is for shape okay then okay okay then okay so you're not actually offering a balanced set of choices you are offering a symmetrical set of choices that may or may not be balanced yes but because it. it looks pretty it looks and, pretty okay it I know, makes I, my I, brain a happy chemical <laughs> so it's just in the sense of like valid reason if you were to imagine the D, D character sheet there are six attributes each attribute has a pattern that uh while it might not be balanced or symmetrical or like even that they basically still give you a uh, modifier and that modifier you can apply to a set of skills and yes well there, there isn't yeah What if you have to keep finish the thought? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a topic I'm running. Complete thoughts are you, garbage. You can't interrupt it and then not complete it. <laughs> yeah, just roll over each other. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, so, I'm sorry. This is one of those things that uh, I noticed was entire, extremely cogent in my game design, and I could and I wanted to talk about it to see if I could form it into something that exists and so far it's not working <laughs> i think it's fine i think there's a lot to talk about in this space because yeah. there's there's a lot of benefit to being able to conceive of how do i put patterns or something that a player can recognize or um interpret yep. and putting that into your game and there's yep. i think a lot of different avenues and how you can yep. okay. use that theory in yep. designing your game system yes uh basically uh the other thing the uh, major thing i want to talk about is it is uh how should i phrase it if abilities all look the same but uh like how should i phrase this if something gives this is partially like for mechanical balance considerations if mm -hmm. something if one ability gives a plus one to something then all the other abilities like it should give a plus one obviously that's i don't uh, sorry i'm that's not helping to explain anything. I don't know what's wrong with my brain right now. No, it's okay. okay. I think Nothing. I think you're. Yeah, it's, it's a complicated topic. Yeah, and I so, think you're absolutely right. 
that like uh, abilities you, you can... that are yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this a different like part of the design that I'm getting at. Uh, abilities that are inversions of each other uh, are frequently going are going to not always be balanced with each other, but they're always going to seem right. <laughs> is a way to phrase it. What I mean by that is if you is in a lot of games, it's more useful to actually uh, put a minus one on an actor than it is to give plus one to another actor. But that's a whole mathematical theory field. But that's and I lost the train of thought I had. And now I can actually <laughs> I can actually complete that. Okay. So, um, the concept of increases and decreases like if you add a benefit to an ally like i'm going to heal you and i'm going to damage an enemy like uh i'm going to make you get plus one strength you're going to get minus one strength that kind of setup now that's not always symmetrical in power um i've I was actually playing Final Fantasy Tactics recently and it actually gives like a good example of this because there's like two classes, like the dancer and the bard. They are some they're symmetrical reflections of each other, like Kavar was saying. Like the bard and the dancer have the exact same skill set, except the bard does the benefit to the allies and the dancer does the negative to the enemies. The problem with this is that the values are very low in this game so a minus decrease to an enemy is much stronger than a positive increase to an ally so the bard is just flat out weaker than the dancer like if something has like a speed of say six then if you add five speed to it you haven't quite doubled how often it gets its turn. If you reduce its speed by five, you have cut it down to almost never getting a turn ever again. Mm -hmm. So even though they look the same, they look symmetrical, they're not actually of equal value, but it does seem appropriate that these two should both exist as a mirror image to one another. Like if you have one that reduces the strength and you should have one that increases the strength more relevant yeah. more relevant to rpg design is uh the, the is where this kind of breaks down is anything that is um <laughs> oh god uh also yeah the eight client a client it skills eight domains and all that from those are good examples that because they logically flow but uh what i was going to get at is uh because if there is a larger group then uh, applying then their points matter less basically if you are only applying something if there is a group of eight versus a group of four which is not uncommon in an rpg scenario uh then reducing one of the members of the group of eight means less than reducing one of the members of the group of four. Oh, there's another mm-hmm. thing yeah. that's not quite a, a symmetry, but it's something that happens a ton in games that we've covered before, which is like triangle patterns. Like, oh boy, you know, the rock, paper, scissors kind of dealy. Mm-hmm. Like, that 
that is a logical pattern in this sense. Yep. So this actually is a very good example of how, like, yeah, this this makes sense. If I have like one set of uh, rock paper scissors and for say social combat, if you're using that kind of a setup, we can argue whether social combat's a good idea or not separately. But if you have that for social combat, then you should have it in normal combat as well. If you have normal combat in your game, like mm. there should yeah. be, they should look somewhat similar to each other. Right. Well, there's, that, oh, go ahead. There's both benefit to keeping it the same, but there's also benefit in making it different. I, um, I know in one of the playtests that I did, there was a it was a mech combat game, and basically the stats for being in a mech were very much the same as the stats for being outside of a mech when you're a pilot. And mm -hmm. I found that that didn't change my play experience. It was just a different scale, and that there would be benefit to making the pattern different, or I guess having something that differentiated these two separate aspects of the game that made it feel thematic. So breaking the pattern, I think, would have been yeah. better. Yeah, mm. that would make sense in that case. Oh, I mean, that's another form of a logical pattern in its own right, is like, to not be exactly the same. Like, I have changed something substantial. Things are supposed to be different now. I mean, that would follow logically, except in your case, you had... You basically said, okay, I have changed things dramatically, but everything feels the same. Right. This does not follow logically. It actually feels kind of wrong. Like, if you're changing everything, everything should change, right? Yeah, exactly. And that, in that sense, the pattern wasn't as useful to giving you a sense of, oh, I'm in a big mech now, and the game is delivering on that experience in a way that's different than being a pilot on the ground so uh well i think i think a good way to to handle that ju is just think about like what these different like what's the differences in these it's not just oh the mech is bigger therefore it just has bigger numbers it's like okay no you use the mech for different things like it has better maneuverability it probably has like some kind of jump jet or thrusters or something that lets it uh, either jump large distances or fly or otherwise be more maneuverable than a human would ever be. Mm. Like it can move in ways that we can't. It can probably destroy buildings depending on the size of it kind of thing. Like if you have like this giant mech is able to fight in a city and knock over buildings, like that should probably actually be one of its stats. Like, What's the damage it can do to terrain? Just collateral damage for existing in a city. Yeah, that would be a cool stat. Yeah, the, that's something that feels very different because it's on a very different scale. It's like right. something that actually is substantially different. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Like, what if you had a mech game where every time you shot a weapon, it had a collateral damage stat, and that's how many people, innocent people, were killed when oh, you God. shot. Brutal. Just, just because, like that. Yep, you're a mech game, and you're having a fight in the city, and like you fire a laser gun, and yeah, it doesn't. It hits the guy and does some damage, but also it refracts off that, and like 
kills a couple like sets a couple of buildings on fire just collateral days yeah oh I there mean, you go the collateral days I mean, there you go that would be kind of interesting except now you're going to have an issue with like the game becoming political definitely because it's like okay mm -hmm. um we saved the city from the giant monster did we prevent more damage than the monster would have caused mm -hmm. and it's like that literally was a thing in like the anime Tengen Topic or in Logan, where there's like a scene where they're fighting basically giant monsters, essentially. And when they die, it turns out they explode. They did not know that at the time, but it basically turned into everybody complaining and like calling for blood for somebody. It's like, yeah, you saved us, but you destroyed like half the city doing it. Somebody has to pay for this. Somebody, like, I just bought a new house. It is now a crater. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do about this? Like, you're supposed to be saving lives. Think of how many people you probably just killed. Like, we're not happy with this. And it's like, okay, this, this suddenly becomes, like, a large part of the game as soon as you start adding, like, collateral damage of that nature to it. Yeah. So that could be interesting too like how do you you know save things without causing a huge problem right and cam also suggested an interesting um way of having that be a mechanic that you can play with in different ways so not only could mm -hmm. it give you the sense of scale of like you're now in a mech but uh you could have it so that heroes and villains play with collateral damage as uh mirror opposites of each other or not necessarily uh, opposites they could he said no. do it in different ways yeah like if you had say you know a batman game versus the joker or something like joker is usually not it depends on the particular version of the joker but he's usually not trying to just you know destroy the entire city he's usually trying to make some kind of weird esoteric point that's going to turn into like a really weird punchline at some point mm -hmm. and it's like if you look at like a map of the city it's it's it almost becomes like oh look at these streets that are all intersecting if i manage to deal damage on this street this street and this street i can make a dad joke out of it <laughs> i'm not sure that's what cam was getting at but okay <laughs> it probably isn't but I, i'm just saying like you could you could totally mm -hmm. turn it into like a game of uh well you could just make collateral damage the general resource you could right and then like you know you don't want to spend collateral damage because that's bad but also you need to to get stuff done so i don't know sounds very ashes of the magi at this point i should probably kind of does like <laughs> just attach this to spells it was actually something that i have seen done once before but it wasn't a very good game and it wasn't tabletop it was actually in superman for the n64 because it's superman oh, yeah. you can't hurt superman he does not have a health bar you can't hurt superman 
The city has a health bar, however. If the city dies, then you've lost. <laughs> That's an interesting way to conceptualize a hero's game. That would be, huh? Well, there's a logical pattern for you to dissect. Oh no! Oh god! The superhero game where you have to justify every bit of damage you do <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> well, it just it just also write. does damage. Yeah, yeah, but it also does damage that like the city has a health bar, and villains are trying to take it down, and also you trying to take the villains down damages the health bar. So you actually want to damage it, but not as you actually want to damage it quickly, but not as fast as the villains are. So you're not playing a superhero game. You're just playing as a regular cop and you have to fill out all the paperwork <laughs> afterwards. Oh, that's rough. I mean, we got into a gunfight with the people. Like, you know, this this gang that was trying to, you know, shoot some people and we managed to get them out of the way, but yeah. There was some collateral damage. We have to write out like the, the reports of why we did this and justify our use of violence and such. I don't know if I want paperwork the game though. <laughs> I I wrote I wrote not quite paperwork the game and uh its main problem is is making it different every week. Um uh, no. Uh, oh god, that, that game's a mess. <laughs> oh right, Shadow Run. Shadow no, Run. You, you don't you don't need to make it different every week. That's the point of paperwork the game. It's like you have to file this all in triplicate. The more forms that look exactly the same but have to be filed one at a time exactly the same way is the gameplay. It's immersive. <laughs> it's in just the way, like real just like life. The way, in the way that hot lava is also immersive when you're in it. I guess you wouldn't be in it though. You just kind of sit on top because you're less dense than lava. That's the weird thing about lava and most things. Like it's still molten rock. You're still less dense than molten rock. You just sit on top of it and catch fire, I guess. Well, uh, you probably melt before then, so or evaporate. Yeah. Yeah. It it's not pleasant. But where are um, we going with this? Um, I think it was something along the lines of realism in games is does not necessarily mean it's fun. <laughs> I don't think that was a topic. I don't I think, think that's it. <laughs> no, that's not the topic, but you asked where we're going with oh. it. Oh. So okay. that is a separate question. Yes. So we're off topic now. So I'm gonna say that something like the the idea of the collateral damage, just to kind of keep building this as an example that we can play with. Mm -hmm. I think is a really cool system where you now have uh, potentially two objectives. You have defeat the enemies, you have minimize collateral damage. And this is a system that you can now work with in a few other ways of introducing these patterns where even if the uh, heroes and the villains have very much the same abilities, their idea of how they want to approach these might be very different. The villains might be trying to cause collateral damage and it's kind of... Uh, the, the objective isn't necessarily to damage the heroes, but it's just nice to do. Whereas for the heroes, they would probably be focusing on trying to damage the villains by minimizing collateral damage. So they have different trade-offs, even if their mechanics might be similar. And it's just because of where their mental headspace is or where the priority is for each of these two groups. Oh, um, and I see that that's a nice symmetry pattern there. Mm -hmm. 
You also potentially have the issue that the heroes may not be trying to actually damage the villains because it might be kind of the Batman thing where he wants to capture them, not kill them. Mm -hmm. You know, like they may be non-violent heroes and it's like, yeah, they want to cause harm to people, but you can't cause harm back to them. You have to keep them relatively intact. Right. I, I mean, you could just, but you can, you would have to systematize that in some way, right? By either having a knockout versus kill counter on, you know, hit points or whatever, however you want to conceptualize it. Um, because you would be having to make a choice, right? So you would want something where the killing is probably the easier but less rewarding path and the and the capturing is the more difficult but more rewarding path. So you could have, you know, the anti-hero that doesn't really particularly care about letting the villain live, but perhaps cares very much about the collateral damage. So you could actually have the the amount of psychological trauma the hero takes for uh for letting their favored quote unquote negative thing happen would be one way you could instantiate a design pattern there because you could have like the hero that doesn't really maybe isn't that concerned about collateral damage because they don't output a lot you know so right. they don't have that system very much um but they're really good at you know softening the enemy's blows or something like that um or you could have heroes that are very high collateral damage but they're also very effective so you want to you know you want to co combine those two forces where you're 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 you have like the soft the the i, I hate i don't like the word soft in this case but it it, it only makes sense for the kung fu thing of anyway um the hero that 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 prevents collateral damage uh but doesn't do a lot to the enemy would want to team up then with the hero that does do a lot of collateral damage and is effective against the enemy but doesn't have a lot of ways of mitigating that that collateral damage so you like there's team building stuff there but you actually have to in order for team building to work cat said this before you actually have to have different effective you have to have a, a a landscape of different effective choices, and in order to have different effective choices, you actually have to have different mechanical vectors by which you can affect something. Uh, so either that means building more tracks into the game, like more thing, like literally more things you track, um, or or stats. That's I mean, you know, uh, the way the way uh, Cavour was saying earlier. Um, but it, it seems like you need, in order to have that sort of, those patterns, you actually have to have a certain degree of breadth and a certain degree of granularity. Um, otherwise, the pattern, I mean, I, I, well, it doesn't, I was going to bring up Blades in the Dark as a game where that doesn't have very strong design patterns uh, because really it's playbooks are pretty i mean they're kind of structured in this way where it's like yes they get the first i don't know three or four abilities are pretty similar to each other and then after that the abilities are very themey and and um 
I don't want to say weird. It's not exactly weird, but they're 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 more about unlock unlock. And I'm sorry, unlocking possibilities for the character, and not making the character better at stuff. Um, but other than that, they're the 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 patterns are very like you start with this thing and you can advance in this way, but the but they're really open after that because there's not a lot of um. Hmm, how do I put it? Advancement symmetry? Something like that, where you don't... Advancement's so slow. I mean, not slow, but in terms of granularity, you only click up, you know, you might gain one die over a session or one ability. And so you don't you don't really have... And the player's experience is asynchronous, so you don't have... And it doesn't matter that it's asynchronous. So you... The pat the player the characters get less patterned the more you play them. Yeah, that's that's okay. So let's talk about uh, the, that trend and how why I think it's positive. Mm -hmm. um, so good initial starting places where everything is where characters are regimented like it's more important at the start and like to have initial characters designs being very regimented and patterned because the it. Okay, how do I phrase this? The reason why it's more important than things are because in because how should I phrase this? When you are learning what the system or how to interact with the systems, it is more important that the systems cohere than it is later when you know how the systems work and are in, and are trying to cut out a swath of individuality within the system and I don't know how what I was going to say there. Yeah, that's that's. Oh, I get you. Sure. Yeah, because once once the the cat because once you're once the game instantiates some patterns, then it's sort of like saying like okay, you're free to mess with these afterwards, right? Because like now you know like oh okay, like a skill is worth this much, a playbook advance is worth this much in gameplay, like money is worth like getting you know X number of coin is worth this much agency um having this little stress is worth this much agency like so like the, the 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 relative values of things start to fall into place after you play it for a while and you you know those relative values are choosing those different relative values is what makes those characters unique because the players at my experience will value play book advances skills and like pretty much everything on that sheet differently like I, there was a player in one of my games that got really into the equipment section. Like, and that was their jam. They were just like they wanted to spend their downtime like making new stuff to put in that equipment section, and that was fine with me. Um, but they wanted to like put experience towards that, and I was like, okay, I'm not sure exactly what that might look like, but let's try and figure something out. And it was just more or less, it was like you can spend some experience to have, um. To, what was it? <clears throat> have a level one version of something you could have built in downtime, something like that, and then you can put that on the character sheet, like as as a checkable thing in your in your equipment. So that was just a house rule I made for that. But uh, but it, you know, the game is good enough that it allowed for even even that break in a pattern where there was 
something the game didn't support rules as written but there was something there was enough enough structure in the advancement and the the um what Cavor was mentioning earlier about systems linking together such that i could estimate the relative value of an advance in a section of the character sheet or playbook that didn't have an advance attached to it uh, and just just because the, that's the player something the player wanted right it was yeah so having strong design patterns so at what i'm doing is i'm ab advocating for strong design patterns in the beginning because it helps establish relative value in the minds of the gms and players as Kavar was saying and then you can break those things later once you have an idea of the relative value and you can instantiate or um split apart or you know combine things to help the players realize their full vision of their character of the world using um and it doesn't feel and it doesn't feel like out of place because it can one of the risks you run when doing something like that is making something like that where now that's what everybody wants to do right it's such a good option that you have that you've created uh um an environment where that's all anybody wants to spend their advances on anymore because the most effective thing so it's 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 good to have those those patterns of relative value because it also helps you design within the game's context and not not you know do something like make a prestige class that's amazing in like third like edition. a prestige class that is actively worse than just taking levels in, in whatever in, in fighter like there, no those exist that's the thing that's so fucking crazy like in, in in the early early days of third edition D D, like they actually had class like prestige classes that were strictly worse than just taking more levels in the base class and just like why what like why would a player apply for a downgrade that sounds fucking weird because it, they hadn't established what prestige classes did yet in third edition like they were remember like the prestige classes were originally in the dungeon master's guide they weren't supposed to be accessible to players initially they had to be like things you um earned by way of accessing them in the story not build options like the conception of them changed between 3.0 and 3.5 and that, that's something that is not talked about because it's really after the DMG came out and like sword and sorcery, like the the first couple splat books for third edition came out, they reconceptualized like kind of how prestige classes would work, even though they paid a lot of lip service to the idea of let's just like the GM gives you permission to take a prestige class. You don't you don't get to just pick one. Um, that moved away in third edition, and by the end of third edition, that was largely gone. But that was that was an interesting conception of the way. D, the D and D initially instantiated their prestige class design conception because it wasn't about like focus or yeah, I think power. It was about that like story. Actually, is an issue with the way that story works because it was basically meaning that the like the players only really have control over their character in that game, right? Right. And that was removing control of one of the very few things that they could control about their character. Mm -hmm. Like, long term, what can you do with a character? You can choose your spells, you can choose where you put your class levels, and you can choose your feats. Mm -hmm. Everything else you roll for, for the most part. So, 
if you remove one of those, that's a really big reduction of player agency. It well, it wasn't. I mean, y yes, it wasn't so, meant to be, but it was. Well, no, only in only in hindsight, because the idea was that prestige classes were something were kind of like story treasure that were mm. that were that were dropped into the game as a reward not i mean and they were kind of supposed to be like i don't i'm not sure like either for npc building or for like <clears throat> something in between high level magic item and artifact reward where it was like you have access to these cool class abilities that you know is not quite they're not artifact level stuff they're not necessarily high magic level stuff but they are unique and they give you uh, unique abilities and it's like afterwards if you say to players like yes look through this cool book of stuff and pick out the shit you like and then you tell them no no no, you have to do something in the game to unlock this then people will, will wait i just wanted to i just want to be the cool thing that you showed me can i just be the cool thing and you're like yeah but no wait and they're like how about you go fuck yourself and you i play the cool thing in this other table where the guy lets me play the cool thing and <laughs> so that attitude died because see i think or at least a lot part. of that issue is the way it's handled. Like, I do think it mm -hmm. is a logical pattern in a way as well, especially since there are patterns in terms of like how you acquire these. But you also have to take into account what the players want to do. And generally speaking, again, the best way <laughs> to. To run things that I found is generally let give the players enough rope to hang themselves. It's like, okay, you you want to play this class, okay, sure, we'll we'll give you the we'll hook you up with the prestige class. But do note, by joining like the Knights Templar kind of concept, oh, they have like uh, responsibilities. If you're gonna be one of them you have to actually, you know, maintain those responsibilities. Like, they'll come bugging you to do stuff. They'll give you more quests and things that you have to do on top of everything else. It's like, yeah, they'll give you the extra abilities, but these abilities are given to you so that you can do their stuff for them. Right. There's not a lot of, I mean, that wasn't something that was talked. I mean, it would be interesting. And I've, kind of did it in ashes where if you join a faction you have to the amount of like you you can only join a faction to the degree that your values align with that faction so if you support one of their tent like i they, they each have three tenets and if you support one of them then you can get you can go into novice level if you support all three then you can go as far as you want so like the idea that that you have to act out certain things in order to get further in an organization makes sense it's just it doesn't it doesn't make sense when you tie it to leveling up because that those are distinct enough systems that they don't align in most players heads is the problem so it's it's, it's actually counterintuitive and also are very different they're differently shaped patterns <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. Back up the topic because one is a clear like numerical uh institution mm -hmm. that is based on a standard progression 
the, whereas the other is uh, is a web map of story events. Mm -hmm. Anyway, do no, it, no, it's it's the, the I agree. Like it's it's weird because you can't. There's something strange about mechanizing story rewards. There's something that doesn't quite like. The only game I've seen that does a really nice job of it is the One Ring, where there's specific things patrons can give you. That's like a gift that like a wealthy patron could give you, or like wisdom that a that a wise patron could impart. And those things are generally like quest completion things, but they don't come from XP. They do they come from like having a relationship with a particular patron. And so there's you don't I don't see that enough in games like that like i feel like there's ample opportunity in games like forge in the dark for that stuff to happen because i've done it in forge in the dark with no with blades in the dark with no real problem where like a patron can deliver a mechanical benefit and the mechanical benefit is i mean a largely story element anyway so it doesn't it doesn't cross into that realm of like this yeah yeah, yeah um what I want to say is uh, there's a game called The Wild Sea, which we might have brought up once or twice. Um, <laughs> the, the, its current leveling system is somewhat odd, and I'm not sure if it quite works. Mm -hmm. But uh, how it uh, kind of internalizes this logic is um, leveling up is in two parts. You get you acquire milestones by like having positive story experiences and writing them down on your character sheet mm -hmm. that indicate your growth. But you cannot turn those into power without spending montage actions to train mm. that are that it represents internalizing that in order to make yourself better at things or right. learn a new aspect. I mean, that's kind of how Ashes does it too, where it's like you do you you in order to make a change to yourself, you take an action on yourself. But you have to know. I mean, there's a chain that leads up to that, right? So it's like any other any other chain of causality that you start in Ashes. It's just a thread that you follow. So, um, yeah, I mean, I see the logic in that, but it's like, but the but the 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 link to story and mechanization of that story is clear and consistent, uh, whereas in many, whereas in a lot of games it's not quite clear or consistent why <clears throat> why do you get a plus one to attack when you hit level two as a wizard what is that exactly uh i can tell you a, a potential answer but it's not in but it has nothing to do with the text um you get a plus one because you've been waving a stick around and rolling enough that you and have been in enough combat situations that you theoretically learn something but mm -hmm. That's not at all what if, explicit in the text. It's just yeah. But what if you've next? What if your character has never made an attack roll? They don't like have to. You've probably never. been now theoretically. You've never been. You've never attacked yourself. You've never been near somebody who does attack, such as you know the fighter, mm -hmm. kind of thing. If you have a situation where a character has never been in any situation that relates to combat, then you're not playing D D, so it's kind of a moot point. No, I'm I'm no, it's not a moot point. <laughs> I'm saying like you're a wizard, 
right? You you play a level one wizard. Yeah, and I, I, you... I'm just saying that if you have never been in a situation where somebody has hit something with a sword in combat, that you have been present to watch it happen, then you're not playing D&D. You're playing something else that happens to be claiming to be D&D. Actually, uh, Catrice, unfortunately, you're wrong because of mm -hmm. a very stupid thing, which is called NPC, which is called NPC levels. <laughs> Theoretically, every wizard you fight that is uh, an NPC in the game would has whatever level of con wizard they have, even if they have that, even if they have that because they've been a librarian for two hundred years. Yeah. There's what I, what I, I mean. The point I'm getting at that you're defending not not that well is there's no logic connected to the story in that makes any that that necessarily entails you getting better at fighting. There, there. You have you have to force it somehow. You have to say like, well, because they were there and they looked at a guy swinging a sword, which by the way is not at all how you learn how to swing a sword. Because I learned how to swing a sword, and watching people do it just makes you kind of suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you don't get good by watching people trust me um so so there's that so anybody who's actually done it is immediately like okay this doesn't make any sense and then and then story-wise it doesn't make any sense because you couldn't so here's the thing right so as you increase levels in wizard you actually use fighting skills less but your attack bonus still keeps going up at the same rate so like when I was playing like a seventh or eighth level wizard, I there was at no point would I make an attack roll that's beneath me. Go fuck yourself. An attack roll? No. It's just like I do things and then the combat's over. I don't have to make attack rolls. Uh, that's ridiculous. So like, but my attack bonus still keeps going up for no reason that I can. I mean, yeah, I have touch attacks, but I don't make those. Yeah, so like, I there's there's no there's no story connection to the mechanization is the problem that's well, what i'm getting uh, at you see the way D, &D works is exp is a secret magic blood that you, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and more you... like how my game works that yes you are well, yes we're all improving on D, &D cat but... yes yes obviously no, but I, I yeah anyway um one thing i do want to quickly don't cover mention midichlorians because... in my chat fuck you get out of here and yeah, <laughs> I want to move back to something before we get too far away from it because you'd mentioned like uh, having oh they killed my camera midichlorians having, having people mm. where they're not aligned fully with like a faction and the more closely you resemble the faction's values the further mm -hmm. you can get in it I just want to point out very quickly that there has, if you don't have this already, there really has to be a way to just have like, you know, the character that goes in and corrupts the faction so that they don't align with the faction's values. They change the faction's values to align with theirs. I'm sorry. I'm still mad about the midichlorians. I didn't hear a thing you said. Wait, go, do it again. I... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh... The faction, okay, so the guy's changing the faction from within. Yeah, so like if you, like you've seen that in a lot of stories and different movies and novels and stuff mm -hmm. probably, where sure. like, you know, the evil character goes in and rather than having, like, they yes, have corrupter. to meet, Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, I got you. they're yeah. they're not meeting the the faction's values. They're changing the faction's values to meet theirs. Yes. So just make sure that that's in your game if it isn't already. I oh I yeah don't know yeah this, but it should yes. be. yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, somebody, somebody at the top. Yeah, if you be make it to the top of an organization, you can start changing. Oh, you you probably get, you, aren't even necessarily making it to the top. Like, you're probably you, in the middle, and you change the the nature of the faction so that it's possible for you to get to the top because you can then point out, well, the people at the top clearly don't meet the uh, faction's values, whereas it, I. It do. depends on how good you are at that. You, I mean, conceivably, conceivably. You don't need to. Uh, uh, you don't need political power. You need influence. If you're not influential, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, although well, influence obviously could be also not hard influence. Like people might not look at you as influential, but you you still need. I hope that's clear. Not that this is super open to the topic, but you know. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure Rob had something in for the game because, like. This is first time I've heard of this particular thing. Oh, oh, okay. The faction okay. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I yes. just didn't want to forget to mention that because, you know, game design stuff on a game design podcast. <laughs> Make just sure that. well, you were you were you were making sure that my design patterns were intact because yes. part of my part of my design patterns is yes, change is possible basically from from within or without, right? Yeah, so, I figured they would be, but I wasn't Sure. Yeah, I wanted to be certain on that. Well, it's it's it's. I'm glad you bring it up because it does force me to think about if how early you could attempt something like that, right? Because there's no there's no strictures on how difficult a thing you can attempt. It's how ready you are. I mean that you establish right so you can you could you could establish a certain level of readiness for a particular like i you could say like you're in set up to be the leader of this particular organization and then and then when you arrive quote unquote there you uh you can you can you are we thus wielding the organization the values the organization espouse at that point you they will follow them so long as you twist them to whatever you you make it look good basically because you're 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 pulling up i mean and then the whatever however not good you make it is a factor in them in you achieving pointing them at the thing you want them to do so it would be like well you've aligned the story in such a way that yeah it, it only takes a nudge for this faction to go and annihilate somebody else or you can have you can order them to annihilate a town one over that's been friendly this whole time and yeah maybe you could talk them into it but boy it's going to be steep you know what i mean so like the, so so it, it, it yeah it's possible to do something like that but you would have to burn um you 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 would have to spend a lot of resources however however you sought, sought to achieve it yeah. Well, if you're going to completely corrupt an organization from within, of course, it's going to take resources. Well, that's the thing. See, it doesn't necessarily. So you can you can corrupt an organization by having it go along with its values. Just you aim them at a at a at a destructive goal. It may it may be that you like it's very possible. Like it's let's say okay. So I have an organization called the um, 
the 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 sisters of mercy because i like i like uh goth references um so the sisters of mercy uh in order to join them you have to believe in ramva the great mother and you have to learn one of the cycle arcana and you have to vow to defend all innocence right so it doesn't okay, it doesn't tell you who you, the innocents are what happens if you have and two innocent people that are fighting each other well then you get to decide right you you that it what that's subjective so so no, you and then also it doesn't innocent i know right that's the problem isn't it so 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 the stricture it then becomes something that the player has to has to wrestle with themselves and then also you want to you want to justify it post hoc as well so like the, the 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 laws of the faction are a way into the faction falling apart right that's kind of what that's kind of the point so they're 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 not they're they're you're not going to be able to necessarily accomplish them in such a way that you can live with it right because that's if you if you if you just like have you re you heard of that book with that dude who tried to live exactly like the bible said for a year oh yeah i okay didn't know he so, wrote a book about it but i i knew mm -hmm. the things like turns out a lot of that's illegal yeah right so so what of but but this is the thing right so like you and you have this body of law or you have values that the community supposedly shares but it's still up to the individual to interpret those values at any given juncture and your interpretation matters because there are always consequences and i'm tracking those because that's fun for me so <laughs> so so i want to put the character player character situation where it's like oh defend all innocence and then there's like well we can defend the innocence by keeping them in this castle indefinitely great you have you have a success you have done it without any i mean that's not even a tough call really that's like did we do it said, yeah we have we're following the great mother they're all worshiping the great mother they're all practicing the cycle arcana and they Whether can't they leave want to or not and they can't leave because we would be failing in our vow if we allowed them to leave now you have a situation where the players might show up at something like that and go oh we want to join you and then they like oh they're defending the innocence this is great and then they realize can you guys are you prisoners and they'd be like yeah but it's nice but yeah but it's nice but yeah uh so it's more there's of an issue if they decide they want to leave yeah if they and then there will be a conflict there because now what if what if some what if someone in the player's troop is deemed innocent right or they want to or somebody has a skill that is desperately needed uh, among these people somewhere else and the players want need to take this person in order to go somewhere in order to save a whole bunch of lives and the sisters of mercy won't let them leave and now what do you do get an escort card mm -hmm. that's up that that's the game i don't know how it goes i don't care like that's that's what i want you to find out but, so yeah so back to logical patterns if create logical going... patterns that conflict necessarily that's my advice there you go yeah that's 
probably a good idea because conflict is usually interesting. Not always, but usually. It has, it has greatest potential to be interesting. Or, I don't know. What do you think of that, Kevor and or Mark? I think that it depends on what you're trying to do. Um, mm. Coherent logical patterns make people happy uh, and make your game seem more coherent. Mm. Yeah. But if you want to create something that that will make the clash really obvious, working in those intentional things and making it come like obvious in, in a way that it won't cause the game to actually fall apart, that then yeah, in, including the including broken things is. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> uh, that's not a very good way to phrase that, is that? I, basically, I don't know. Okay, basically, logically contradicting patterns are good if you're that's what you're trying to do. If they're not, then they will cause problems. Like, if you, <laughs> I guess that's the short version. They don't innately have value unless that's what you're going for, as far as I'm concerned. Something, something weird is happening to the internet and or YouTube. YouTube looks like it failed and Twitch was going off. And it, I don't know why. It looks like it kicked me out of chat. Okay. Mm. Strange. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> hmm. Sabrina says bad examples. Have we gone into bad examples? This looks like that was going to segue into bad examples anyway. And I think that's probably a good. Yeah. Do we have bad examples of patterns? Of logical pattern RPGs, I don't. Well, I mean, I mean we talked we talked about D and D for thirty minutes already, so can't do that one. Um, fair. Um, uh, we we should we bring up the lopsidedness of Shadowrun or geometric wizards and linear fighters or? Yeah, those um, those execs. Catrice, please say your thing. I would actually like to point to Technoir, actually because there was a logical pattern there where all of the player characters, there's a number of um, different adjectives, basically, that you ascribe from one character in relation to the other characters. More characters you have, the more of these that you have to fill out. So um, the idea was that oh, this character thinks of this character as an enemy, but it thinks of this other character as a lover kind of thing, right? Now, it seemed like this would be a good idea. It was a nice logical pattern. Everybody gets the same amount. Um, everybody has, like, connections to the other characters, so everybody... and these are not necessarily the same. So like one character may think of this person as their best friend. The other person, the other character thinks of that person as someone they barely tolerate this okay. kind of thing. So it sounded like a good pattern in practice. What it actually ended up doing was almost preventing uh, the, the game from happening at all because Players did not actually like being mandated having to 
have certain adjectives and after the good one still having a bunch more they had to apply and it's like oh yeah this character hates this other character and this one thinks they're like a thief and this one wants to kill this other person it's like okay we don't want this in the game it actually became so bad that like we almost were like yeah we're not like this we did play it but it it seemed like a good idea and it did follow a pattern but the pattern that it followed actually mm -hmm. fell quickly because it basically uh, for a game that we didn't want to play right that the burning wheel came up and we didn't make it through character creation because because there didn't appear to be you know something patterns and characters street rat that that was street ratty like it wasn't obvious to the players like and i didn't have a good answer because i have i wasn't familiar familiar enough with the system to have a reasonable explanation um and so the the character creation was frustrating because there wasn't a clear pattern of of what you were supposed to be looking to do if you wanted to achieve certain results like there was, you know, there were so many choices that it looked like the choices were pointing to an effectiveness differential, even though they might not have been. And so it wasn't obvious to to us that um, the street rat skills, which were like, I don't remember exactly, but there was like there was like a stealth thing, and there was, but you could be a farmer too, and the farmer had skills that didn't look like they would be of any use to an adventurer at all uh and or you could be like a, a dilettante which got like some swordsman stuff and you started with money and all that kind of stuff um and you're like okay so is there a reason why i don't just pick the really good ones like is there is there something that i don't understand here or am i or are these just this like a list of like maybe you want to build this and maybe you want to build that and you know but it looked like an effectiveness differential like a pretty stark one. And so if, and in my experience, when players detect like a very obvious effectiveness differential, they quickly lose faith in the game because it doesn't, it looks like the game is going to force you to play the way it wants and not the way you find fun. I can see exceptions to that, but I can see it generally being true. Like if it looks like, there's one right way to do this mm -hmm. and it's not in the sense of oh we figured out this neat way that we can get an advantage because we're so clever it's more like this is the only way to do this like if you do it any other way you 
there's something wrong? Like, did they play test this? Did they even consider it? What else is going to be broken in this way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you can you can lose lose trust in the fact that you're going to have a good time, and that's uh, that's another good reason to have obvious design patterns in the beginning because it gives the players a foothold into and it gives the players like reassurance that that everybody's starting on an even playing field right that i'm not making i'm not fucking up by making choices that seem cool to me in character creation and if you've had the experience of of have playing a character that is completely useless because you've made certain choices in character creation that seem cool to you at the time and then once you got into the game you go oh fuck i'm completely ineffective uh you don't you're now now you're on the lookout for that constantly so it, it there's 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 a pattern it reinforces in you and so when you see the like when you see a game that has like oh i the all of these choices are of relative equal value but you know as kevor was saying you don't know that they're all going to be have the same effectiveness even if the numbers all look the same but all like having a, a clear pattern to the choices help i think gives players a foothold on like and a, and a, a a way to grip your game initially like so you, they they will they will look for them they will see them they will think it it is real even like like they will mm -hmm. think it's weird and stupid and unbalanced if you do things the way the math should work out is something that is true in a lot of cases and you should generally just err on the side of go making their brain happy rather than being balanced in RPGs is right my general opinion i would i would agree with that but also you can take <laughs> once you know if if in playtesting you discover that certain plus ones are different than other plus ones you can dial down the effect rather than the number right you can tune it you can tune it in such a way that the effect is is has less frequency because there are fewer opportunities to use it or because there are um uh it, 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 i mean frequency is a good way to do it but but or, or more cost associated with it there could be that too um but there's ways to tune it other than the number so you can still get a you can still more closely cue to the player's intuition that a plus one equals a plus one in a different column usually like there are going to be differences in there but mm -hmm. having a rough idea of roughly how much something is worth the consistency is usually a good thing though it means if there is inconsistency it also has to stand out as this is an intentional choice not a mistake not a typo because mm -hmm. like most of the things for like the species in my game for example like they almost all have, if they have a certain ability like plus one stat increase, for example, it has the same cost. It's always the same amongst all of them. Mm -hmm. There are a few exceptions where like one is explicitly mentioned repeatedly of being like really good climbers. Mm -hmm. So when they get an ability that lets them climb, it is flat out better for the same cost or it's a reduced cost compared to another that can learn to do that. 
but it's not like a defining aspect of them. Like the idea mm -hmm. is to try to guide the players into here's something that is really common among the species. Like they should kind of be thinking about things in this sort of way, like more verticality kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. they don't tend to just walk horizontally. Like they will, if there's a tree nearby, they're going to climb it. So putting it at a reduced cost so that the player notices that it's a, an increased benefit makes them more likely to think about using it because it stood out in their mind when they saw it in character creation kind of thing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's reasons to, there's reasons to highlight certain things. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Because you're flagging them for later play. Right. So you're, you're, yeah. Right. You just have to be careful about it and make sure that the players actually recognize it as, yes, this was intentional. It's not just a typo in the book that I have I made this one cost two and this one cost three when all the costs of everything else is always the same. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Sabrina's saying like using a flavor text or a sidebar to clarify is a good way to to verify on that. Right, right. I think that's oh. probably true of all of the patterns though. Like just because something is a pattern doesn't mean it always has to follow the pattern exactly the same way in exactly every situation. Like there's probably gonna be exceptions to patterns, right? Yeah. And making an exception to a pattern also makes it stand out more, which is sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing. If it's a mistake on your part, yeah, it stands out more because it's a flaw. If it is intentional, then making it stand out more is kind of a good thing, though it can be jarring to the players if, yeah, but. I, I recognize the pattern. The pattern's wrong. Like you went one, two, four, eight, fifteen. This is wrong. Fix it. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. That's that's something else, right? Players like need the they need the increments need to be like logical. Like I something. So there was a book that came out way in the beginning of third edition D&D called Kingdoms of Calamar. And it came out, I think it was, uh, this is the same publisher that does uh, Knights of the Round Table and um, Hackmaster. I can't remember mm -hmm. the name right now. Anyway. Um, but there was, like, when we I got that book because it was one of the first books that had, like, other additional base classes in it uh kenzer and company thank you sabrina yep um and it had base classes in it that were different from the base classes in the player's handbook and i was like oh cool i'm gonna like get this book and like you know i understand like they're, they're, they made changes that made no sense whatsoever like the base attack bonuses for these classes did not follow the full three quarter one half progression or what was it was it three quarter or two thirds whatever it was two thirds uh, i think it was two thirds okay 
no, it was three quarters because it ended at 15. Right? Yeah. Anyway, so. Uh, Could I sworn priests? My clerics were always two thirds. Oh, well, I'm talking about third edition because that's what this book is referring to. But anyway, the, 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 but they, they had a base attack thing that was, that went from plus two at the beginning to plus 18 at the end or something like that. And I was like, what is this? It was, and it didn't progress normally. It had like weird steps in it and like, like some of the saves had different progressions and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, they just, they're, they didn't recognize that there are patterns in the player's handbook or they did and were like, no, that's dumb. Let's just fix it. And I, I couldn't yeah. tell which, but it really seemed like they didn't see that there were actual patterns. They, they looked like they maybe they intuited that they were somewhat random uh, and just made random numbers up. It was very, it was really bizarre. Uh, and there was some stuff in that book that was like later you could recognize like they, okay, this was like, they kind of heard about what D&D 3rd Edition must be aiming at or saw previews and wrote it as fast as they possibly could. Because it came out like really, like it was pretty soon after 3rd Edition dropped. It was like maybe... It was still that same summer, I think. Um, but yeah, it was it was an example of 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 writers not following design patterns and how jarring it was. Uh, so I yeah. Notice yeah. Mark said he stepped away like 20 minutes ago, which explains why he didn't answer when you called on him. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> we are observant. We also oh. lost Cam too. I hope you didn't think I was serious about <laughs> really being really mad about the midi chlorians. <laughs> That's fine. It's okay to be really mad about midi chlorians. That's that's fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um. Do we? Is there anything else that we should we should we should touch on? Uh, the big uh, any big no, points? No, I I feel like I feel like I I started a discussion that and uh, we talked about the things the discussion was supposed to be about. So I think mission accomplished. We're an hour forty minutes in. Let's unless anybody has anything pressing they want to yell about or any favorite patterns in game design they want to oh, talk about favorites. Yeah. Look, mm. what, what's a pattern that you immediately that you noticed and when you noticed it made you go feel smart for noticing or appreciate that part of the game design more that's ever happened mm. to you that's an interesting question um well i really like the triangles and ashes <laughs> uh, yes. uh, but i made them so of course i like them i mean i didn't make them they existed there before I made them, but they were they were pleasing. I I matched what is written to the pattern that is already pleasing, mm -hmm. so it is pleasing. Other uh, other games that do that are ones that participate, like like Old World of Darkness had good had good design patterns. Um, it had good design. It had good design patterns and bad. It's some kind of questionable design is how I would describe it. 
Yeah. Like, like it knew its patterns. It made sure it had really cute patterns. It did not consider the implications of said patterns. That is also true. I would say <laughs> that that the patterns that are were there were sometimes a little too forced, mm -hmm. uh, and you kind of went, okay, if you kind of squint and look sideways at it, that works. But but I gotta squint and look sideways at it, um, mm -hmm. and uh, but they had I I you know the the discipline structure like worked. Um, the I like I like the three by three symmetry of the attributes um i like the um the way they have skills configured under attributes and that they generally map uh pretty well to um certain patterns of action across those things um even though some of them kind of don't uh but that's okay um yeah, again, again, the, the pattern does seem kind of forced because they're they're like kind of like trying to I just the design just wasn't as advanced then. So they were still trying to kind of grow out of D's framework a little bit. And that's probably where it got tripped up, I think, because there were just there was just a lot of combat abilities in a game that was in a not... game where trying to solve problems by combat was supposedly not the best choice, but because mm -hmm. there were so many combat abilities, there were so many good combat abilities, and like there was so much like utility you could build in that mm -hmm. the combat became more effective than they intended it to be for certain spots. I mean, it's fine if combat's super effective for werewolf because um. Yeah, right, exactly. But like when you build when you build a combat monster vampire, you can really build a combat monster vampire and they're really fun to play. And that's should not be surprising uh then when your game turns into combat monster mo combat monster vampires the game because like that's you built that fun into the game. Like why would you why would you tell us not to do that? That's stupid. Like you know when you have like a guy like like three celerity and like three potence and like he just wades into like a mass of humans and just starts ripping them apart like that's hilarious and fun and like that's what you want to do as the uh you know when you're 17 and playing a vampire like obviously like why <laughs> and, but but the thing is you gave us the tools to do it and then we're like, oh, you're not role playing this right. If we did it, it's like, uh, fuck you, old man. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll get my vampire kicks how I please. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, I was specifically thinking of the fact that you can build a combat mage. Yeah, hilarious to me. Uh huh. <laughs> because yeah. mage abilities are intentional. Like the design intention was clearly mage ability should not be used for combat because because um, for the same reason that you should not uh, do combat by throwing C four at people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's the other thing is like, yeah, okay, so like my thaumaturgy, uh, what's the the uh, Tremere thaumaturge just summons like two pounds of silver over that werewolf's head, like just. Just drops it off. Like, oh yeah, you can totally do that. That's not even hard. Uh, and it was just like, oh, this game built in an accidental insta kill button 
for like a level one premiere ritual or something like that. It was just there were just so so many things like that. What's that? Nothing's particularly accidental about the insta kill things in Mage. Like Mage, kind of. This is in Vampire. Oh, Vampire. Okay, I thought you were talking about Mage a moment. Yes, no. Yes, no, no. Vamp no vampires can kill vampires. One specific clan of vampires are actually the ideal werewolf killer, <laughs> which is yeah. not how the lore goes. No, <laughs> that's supposed to be the other way around. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you'd think that there would be one clan that would eventually specifically learn to. Yeah, but like they didn't specifically rat. learn to do it. They specifically learned how to make silver, which uh, and spontaneously summon it, and that's how they and that's how they became the effective the effective werewolf killers. Mm -hmm. I guess, but why yeah, would they learn like... to make silver specifically? Otherwise, no, they didn't learn to make silver specifically. They learned to make metal, and silver is a metal mm -hmm. because you can oh. make pure metal. Yeah, um, it, 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 it's and it's it's just like built into like it's like oh something a wizard could do so let's give it to the Tremere and you're like oh yeah I no nobody in your playtest group like really like fucked around with this did they <laughs> like because yeah. this this would not yeah you could do all kinds of crazy shit you I mean like like it's here's a political game I made a chest of gold that I am going to use to buy whatever the fuck I want. Like, and this is in Dark Ages Vampire, by the way, where it's even more, like, even more, even, like, it, it's even more so that the magic fucks stuff up, right? So, yeah, it was, and, and, and then it's like, you know, this is a political game with intrigue and, like, consequences for political, it's like, yeah, mm, no. No, it's not. No. You, you you built you built you built combat monster abilities into the game. Like, if you why would you do that? If you if it doesn't make any like they're you're that, okay. I'm I'm done ripping on Mark Ryan Hagen now. Uh, okay. Unfortunately, for the actual question itself, I'm kind of in a similar situation. Like, I I can see the patterns that i like because i made them for my game but for like other games usually the patterns that stand out are the ones that break or don't work mm -hmm. like it's mostly when it stops working that's when i notice it like plumbing yeah there, yep. there are there are exceptions but usually it's an exceedingly well-designed game and to be honest like Tabletop role-playing games, for the most part, are not exceedingly well designed. Like we have a fair number of people that they really have a lot of passion for the the hobby and their careers for it. Like they really want to make stuff amazing, but there's only a few that are actually doing truly impressive game design that makes me go like okay you actually know exactly what you're doing and you did this with amazing precision and effectiveness mm -hmm. like there's not a whole lot of games that really 
give me that effect even in like video games which is a much broader field with mm -hmm. many more actual professionals but mm -hmm. there's just tabletop games there's just so few of them in comparison and the games that are there are mostly made by like literal amateurs like people who don't have any kind of training or this is like their first game and it's literally just like a dnd hack like or a lot of the people uh, in the not dnd circles are professional writers who uh are working who know how to do that um yeah like a lot of it is they have a great setting they the game mechanics part is usually on the lacking side of things for rpgs i found so and that's a large part of what got me to start making my own in the first place so and i i can point out bad ones ones that have really irritated me okay but... sure you can give me two or three that if we haven't talked about them already we're not allowed to mention D and D because we no, already no. Uh, actually I'll stick to just one. I'll 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 say the one that bothered me the most about um uh, anima was that the they give you a set amount of points every level, a hundred points that you can spend, regardless of class. But the way they balanced it was so that like one of the limiting reagents for certain classes would be like, oh, if you're a caster class, you can spend up to 60% of your points every level into magical skills. If you're a melee combat class, you can spend up to 60% of your points every level into physical combat, like melee specifically. Oh, wait, that means that the pattern here is if you do not spend 60%, like the maximum value you can, then you're actually doing it wrong. It's not that you have to, it's that the only real distinction in a lot of cases between like uh. a class that's supposed to be really good at combat and one that's just, I do some combat on the side is I can spend 60% and you can only spend 50%. So if I'm not spending 60% every single level, I'm doing it wrong. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a bad pattern. Shit. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it, it's just robbing you of that. I mean, you because it's it, what it's doing is substituting. Oh, whoa, that's weird. That's like, that's like, subs, that's like trading in agency for effectiveness yeah i i did not which is not like that yeah which is like necessarily corralling right so like yeah, yeah. It, what's worse is the skill like the points that you got to spend on your combat were shared with everything and that included all of your secondary skills so if you wanted to have any knowledge about anything it also went into that pool. Oh, that meant that if you were using the character the way you're supposed to, oh, you're supposed to put 60 
out of 100 points into combat every level, that doesn't give you a whole lot left to be any good at anything else. Like most of your other bonuses would end up being like, oh yeah, I've got like plus 20 to a roll for seeing if I can actually ride a horse. Oh wait, this is a D100 exploding dice thing so I can get like rolls of 600. Mm. <laughs> the plus 20 to 600 doesn't really do much. Yeah, that was one of the the very, it was that specific thing that I made absolutely certain in my game to make, to divide up the, uh, the skill points for um, combat skills and knowledge skills and crafting skills to be separate pools that do not touch each other specifically because of that. Yeah, I, yeah. There's something to be said for that kind of design because there's, uh, man, it really stinks to have a character in a game where you only get to play the game like one third of the time. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like where you're like, oh, I'm good at combat. I hope there's a combat soon. Uh, or you're like, I, I'm good at the skilly stuff. I hope I can do skill things and not, you know, let's avoid combat type thing. And it's like, can you just, can you just let players have fun all the time for fuck's sake? Jesus goddamn Christ. How, how, this is a game design. It's not like half a game design and half work design. Uh, yeah. Sorry. It's just, it's, it's really annoying to me. Like, why would you gate fun behind a number that the player needs to use in order to engage with your fun? Like, there's other ways of, like, determining effectiveness and differentiating character than... Just to a degree, I can kind of see it, but not like that. Not like, okay, like saying, okay, you are good at defending yourself. You're good at attacking. Like, mm -hmm. okay, that differentiates these two characters apart from each other. That's fine. Sure. But making it so that you have to be in combat. If you're not in combat, then you have nothing that you can offer. Okay, that's a major problem. Mm -hmm. Correct. Like that's not that's not playing the game. It's like, okay, I'm just gonna sit over here and do nothing. Mm -hmm. Especially because how combat and a lot of the things that work in that game are if like it was especially bad in that game because if you attack somebody and what it would do is you do your attack roll and bonus against their defense role and bonus and uh the effectiveness effectiveness of your attack is how much you get over their score if they get over your score so let's say you're a mage who isn't very good at co physical combat if you oh no it doesn't do nothing sabrina if you fail a role badly enough if they get a higher role than you do in their defense then your attack, they actually hit you instead. Like you will hurt yourself. Like the mage tries to hit a, a fighter with their staff. Fighter's gonna use that as an example to beat the shit out of them. Yeah, it's somewhat entertaining. 
But I understand why it's a problem in game design. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it basically just gets to the point that if you did not put your 60% into your combat every level, you not only were not effective, it actually got to a point where it was more effective for you to do nothing than to try to attack. Yeah. I, that was terrible. I am so glad that the few times that I was playing like game systems that are supposed to be combat heavy, um, that I had that the person running the show was willing to let me do stupid things during my combat round. That's all I'll mm. say. Yeah. Yeah. I I did not. I like Anima. Is the thing like Anima is probably one of my favorite systems. Possibly my favorite. It's just there are. Like most of its design is really good. Like the vast majority of it is is very well done. I, I really appreciate most of it. It's just there's a few small little tiny areas that when it fails, it fails really, really hard. <laughs> like wow. mana regeneration. Uh, it's called Zeon in that. You regenerate one turn of combat action worth of essentially mana per day. <laughs> what? Okay. Now there's ways around that, but it, it's not enjoyable ways around it. So it basically means if you want to do anything, just don't get into combat on a regular basis if you're a mage. Hmm. Like, if, if you do get into combat twice in the same day as a mage, you're basically screwed. Hmm. So like a first level wizard, but perpetually. Yeah, basically perpetually. Like Man, you do that, essentially get free casting of spells that are below a certain threshold for you. Mm -hmm. Eventually, if you build a very specific way, but it wasn't very good. Like it, it, it was rules as written. This is not fun. Let's just set it so you regenerate all your Xeon back every day. But that ran into balance issues because right. the way they balanced, um, you know, the essential of, of concentration skills was based around how much uh, mana they, they used every day because it basically prevented you from regaining mana back. So gotcha. right. that basically meant that if you got full mana back every day, you could become absurdly powerful just with passive effects. So there was no real way to balance it the way they had set it up. It just, it didn't work in a fun way. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I think that's probably enough grousing about Sorry. pattern. No, 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 I'm, no, no, that's what we were doing. But that's a really good one to look out for when when designing is is don't write yourself into that corner. Yep. When yeah. Yeah. Uh consider things. Uh inversions are cute. Uh anyway. Uh good night, everyone. Uh it's always night where you are, etc. Thanks. Oh, are we doing good night? Good night, everybody. If, especially yeah. if you're a vampire. Our listeners are vampires now.
No. Wait, no. No, it's a no, it's always it's not where you are when you're listening to this. Unfortunately, do not trick the, our vampire listeners into exploding themselves in the sun. Mm-hmm. That would be rude. I was trying to make the world a better place. Of course, you would try to defend the vampires, wouldn't you, Kavar? Wouldn't I'm you? A, I'm not a vampire. No, but you probably are allied with them. Why would I be allied with vampires? I thought you were an emotional vampire. I am an emotional vampire. You're right. Okay. I also do kind of don't deal with super well with the sun. That, that's also true. Confirmed. Kafar is a Nagatsun. Got it. I don't think I'm good enough at pretending to be a person. <laughs> All right. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. That's enough in jokes for one day. Uh, I'm. You can tell the robots to leave, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Mark will have to. I do a slash leave. That work? Nope. I thought the bots had new commands or some shit. I saw something. They don't. Okay. Uh, specifically, they would never uh, do that type of syntax with Craig because it would interfere with other bots. Okay. Did that work? Uh, you need to hit uh, the space. You forgot uh, the space bar. I did forget the space. <laughs> uh, fuck up. Oh, it's a semicolon. Jesus Christ, Rob. <laughs>